welcome to Cats by 90, a podcast dedicated to you, the Big Blue Nation, basketball, football, and the latest recruiting news. If it's Kentucky sports, then it's here on Cats by 90. Now, from SB Nation's A Sea of Blue, your hosts, Big Blue Drew and Aaron Gershon. Hello, welcome to the Cats by 90 podcast brought to you by SB Nation's A Sea of Blue. It will be a rare afternoon recording session for myself, Drew Brown, and Aaron Gershon. Normally, we're catching up late in the evenings, and I'm, I'm editing into the wee hours of the night. But today, Aaron, I'm sitting in my little office room here looking out the windows. Absolutely glorious day. Today's Tuesday, today the 28th, about 1.30 p.m. So awesome day, Aaron, and I'm glad we're able to catch up uh, in a more lunchly manner, I guess. That's just uh, what quarantine stuff does when, you know, work is at home and all that. So it's uh, a little different, but, you know, I'm all for it and go to bed a little earlier tonight. <laughs> yeah, today's is definitely one example of a quarantine, I guess, plus for me. I just kind of took a day at work at a gap in the child care. My wife's working. So glorious day. We've already been on a walk. Got some house projects I'm doing. So excellent stuff. And we can just kick it off that way, though, Aaron, with the In My Feelings segment. If you never listened to the Cats by 90 podcast, try to just give one good thing, one bad thing since the last time we spoke. And man, Aaron, on my end, it's just been pretty much all good. I feel like I've been catching a lot of these great weather days when I have some free time but getting out in the wilderness, enjoying that. So that's good, man. Everything's good with me. The only negative is it is very tough right now to live in the city of Louisville. Uh, with it being Derby week right now, knowing that there's not going to be any Derby on Saturday. And of course, the weather's trending about 80 degrees and probably sunny. So that sucks, but trying to make the most of it. Yeah, that, that really is tough to see. Almost everyone predicted it was going to be just a great weather day to kind of rub it in. And that's exactly what it is. But at the same time, uh, hopefully we'll be ready to have it in September. And that's going to be a hell of a sports day if uh, the Derby is on time and football season's on time because uh, UK's home opener is the same day. But for me, I'd say the good, I, I'm along the same with you. You know, could be a much worse situation, but, you know, I'm just thankful to, I've been spending time with my girlfriend's family, been there most of the time. Uh, so it's thankful to have people around me and, you know, not be alone <laughs> during all this and go on walks and all that. So can't complain too much. Staying home is not the worst. It's, Definitely boring and irritating, but, you know, we're getting there. Uh, on the negative, uh, I think we'll dive more <laughs> into it uh, later in this uh, show here. But obviously, last week, um, there was a report that I put out uh, about a certain big committing to UK. Um, by all indications, my report was correct at that moment. It changed. And despite other people confirming it, uh, I'm the one who got the... <laughs> got the chewing so some nasty people some nasty messages so that ticked me off but i'm i put it by me but that's really the only thing i have for that one yeah i guess we might as well just hit that i mean whew, yeah that's been a, a kind of a weird week even my phone was blowing up um when all that was <laughs> going on and it's tough man it's honestly why i pretty much actively stay away from breaking news just because it's a it's a slippery slope and i don't think you need to make any apologies or anything it's just you know, it is what it is. And ultimately, Kentucky didn't get Matt Harms. But I do want to – obviously, we're going to hit basketball. But if we don't talk about football now, I fear that we will never get there. 
So maybe to open up uh, this episode, man, I did want to hit on the NFL draft a little bit. We haven't even had a chance yeah. to talk since then, but um, so you know, number one, Lynn Bowden ends up in Vegas, man. Really cool situation for him. I'm not so sure the the football fit being just like slam dunk, but I think if things go well, Vegas could be a really good situation for him. But he needs to really keep his head on straight and stuff. But what was your initial impression, Aaron, when you saw Lynn Bowden drafted 80th to the Los An- Las Vegas. Raiders. Las Vegas, yeah, I love it. I love it actually. Um, like you said, I think Vegas is a city where a guy like Lynn, who did have off-field issues his freshman year in high school, uh, is a little scary. But at the same time, he's really turned his life around. His kid is his inspiration. I don't really worry about that from a football standpoint. I absolutely love the fit because John Gruden, uh, who's obviously the head coach there, uh, second time with the Raiders, spent time with the Bucks too, uh, is a possibly the best offensive mind in the NFL. So I really think he's going to use them in many different ways. That makes him a dangerous weapon. I think he'll be the return man. And I, I just like the fit overall with that guy uh, leading their offense. Right, so you do think he's going to get looks at returns. And how, how often oh, yeah. do you, I guess you think he'll be used? Will you be surprised if he's, you know, sparing or if they're really going to make a conscious effort to give him the ball? Cause I've kind of heard people go down their depth chart and maybe make a little bit pessimistic comments just about his, you know, initial chances to see the field with regularity. Well, I, I think that's a good point. I think his initial uh, role, I think he's going to be a kicker, punt returner right away. The speed just jumps right off the charts. You look up and down that roster and you look at the stats from last year, uh, they didn't necessarily blow anybody away in the return department. So I think that job is probably his to lose whenever there is a training camp. But I think what does hurt him is this offseason is going to be so wacky and you don't necessarily know when you're going to be able to get a training camp in. So maybe his role in the offense is slow at first, but, man, they're going to use him. Gruden is a smart guy. He's going to want to throw wrinkles at defenses. And, you know, they have him listed as a running back. And if you look at the running backs, Josh, Josh Jacobs, the actual starter, and he was a great – he had a great rookie year last year out of Alabama. Uh, but outside of that, they're pretty thin. Um, Jalen Richard is a – kind of a pass catcher to the backfield, Rod Smith, NFL journeyman, and then it's Lynn. So I think he's going to get plenty of opportunities, on, and I think they're going to use him um, in a lot of different ways. They'll use him in the slot. They'll use him, obviously, um, in wildcat packages. So I, I do definitely see plenty of opportunity for him there uh, right away and definitely in the future as he keeps developing at that level. We'll get ready for this phrase a lot, but I'll be one of the first to say it, hopefully. But I'm snagging him in fantasy, man. I don't care what round oh, yeah. it is. I'll, I'll be <laughs> picking him up in fantasy football, assuming that we have fantasy football. Cool oh, for Lynn Bowden, obviously one of our favorites ever. It was completely just polarizing player to cover his time at Kentucky. Both both just incredible. But selfishly, Aaron, I'm really pumped because maybe he's not as excited as me, but Logan Stenberg going to Detroit. And with my Detroit <laughs> ties, I mean, I'm in the D a lot. So... We've already talked about trying to get up there and see a game, and maybe, who knows, we can even uh, pull some strings and maybe I can cover a game and catch up with Logan Stenberg and get some clips or something. But I was selfishly excited for that because everyone in my family was kind of texting me when that happened, or my wife's family, I guess, and just, you know, saying, oh, he went to Detroit, he went to Detroit, asking me about him. And he's mean is what I told him, and I think mm-hmm. they're going to like him and, and kind of build from that offensive line um, aspect. But I'm excited he went to Detroit, basically. Yeah, me too. It's gonna. I think, like you, you nailed it. He's mean. He's nasty. That's why he has the Mister Nasty nickname. Um, don't know if he'll start right away. Uh, 
what's interesting with him and the NFL values now is he's so versatile. I mean, he could play either guard spot. I bet you if they asked him to play outside and play tackle, he could do it. So I really think um, it's a good fit in Detroit. Uh, it's going to be fun that he'll be blocking for DeAndre Swift, who's just a Kentucky killer, uh, was mm-hmm. a Kentucky killer, got drafted by Detroit as well. So I like the fit there as well. And I also like the fit for the undrafted guys. I think I really think that Ahmad Wagner is a real chance to make it in Chicago, given his size and the things he was able to do, drawing pass interference calls. Uh, I know his role kind of turned into a blocking role as the year went on, but he never complained. He put his head down and went to work anyway. And we saw how how he could go up and get it with anybody um, the first couple of weeks of the season when Terry and Sawyer were healthy. And the pass interference calls were just – it blew everybody away. It's probably the biggest story of the season for UK, the first two three weeks of the season, how he was drawing those calls before uh, all the injuries and Lynn and all that happened. And then I think Calvin Taylor, 6'9", uh, great length, uh, nine and a half sacks out of the blue last year. In Pittsburgh, uh, could make that team. Wouldn't be surprised. Uh, and then TJ Carter getting a shot with the Cardinals. So, uh, really, it just shows you where Kentucky football is at. It's much, much different than five, six years ago, uh, the beginning of the Stoops era, before Stoops got here. They're churning NFL talent year in and year out. And if you look at the roster next year with all the seniors, you could have six guys in the draft next year. I was going to ask you about the undrafted guys and what you thought about that. I was excited to see Calvin Taylor. That's my guy. Land with the Steelers. I'll be a big mm-hmm. fan of his. I think just with his size and stature and ability that he showed this year to just put up the sack numbers that he did in the SEC. Good, um, good news for him. I like a TJ Carter's tweet. If you didn't see that when he went undrafted, he said, "I'm undrafted and I love it. I faced a lot of adversity last year, but I'm, it prepared me for what needs to get done. My fire is even bigger, and I can't wait to get down." And then he tagged the Arizona Cardinals. So good for him be exciting to watch some of these guys i know like jordan griffin some other guys haven't you know necessarily popped up yet but things could change and i heard mark stoop say this week too and i don't know how much coverage you got into this week but i uh, did mention yesterday about i believe it was yesterday about him just essentially not seeing football games being played without fans yeah. so we continue to kind of hear this language of coaches at least kind of speaking up and they seem very optimistic that we're going to be playing football and also under normal circumstances. Yeah, I was on that Zoom call yesterday morning, and I think he makes such a good point. It's just, it's not viable for college football. I think that's the point that everyone's making, but to hear it from a coach was really, uh, it was really refreshing because you just can't play. College football is, for nearly every school in the country, UK is one of the rarities where it's second. But it's the moneymaker for the university with ticket sales and TV and all that. So you play it with no fans, it's either, you know, you need more money from the TV or you're screwed. So I think that there's just not – it's not viable. It's either you play it in the spring or you cancel the season. You cancel the season or play it in the spring, you're going to lose money either way. It's probably best to play it in the spring if you can't get fans in the building by September. But it's not like the NFL or MLB or these professional sports where we might see fanless games, especially baseball this summer, um, where they can absorb it and not all their money comes from ticket sales and all that. But 
it's just not going to work for college football. Stoops is right. It's not viable. And it's not fair to the student athletes. If I, as a normal student, can't be on campus and go to the game, why should these kids be allowed on the field breathing on each other and, you know, lining up six inches, not six feet, six inches from each other? So uh, it's really not viable. Unless it's safe for everybody, it's not safe to put these kids out there. And let's hope that uh, we keep trending in the right direction with the world. And, you know, by September, we could get fans in the, in the stadium. and play ball but you know it, it it's it was good to hear him sound pretty optimistic but uh a lot has to happen and a lot has to go right and let's hope it does yeah two, there's two things with that to me one college football is so unique in the fact that if you could try to do no fans let's say you try to do that we're going to play games with no fans people are just going to congregate by the droves in different spots and tailgate and do things like that once the weather right. really starts to get nights across the country so that makes perfect sense, but that's not enough to me. It doesn't mean you don't try different things and do things. But secondly, the biggest part is, I guess, if you guys don't ever get back on campus, I mean, I don't see how you can justify playing college athletics and letting people go. So I don't know. It, to me, those things really seem to go hand in hand, and I'm not sure when, if you know, that's going to happen. I think so much is going to change. So better way to put it on my end is I've, I'm done speculating with COVID-19 because it changes <laughs> so often, and I have no idea what's going on. But it does. I know they've even put the date here in Kentucky of like May 11th where we're going to try to ease back into some normality. But who knows, man. But I will say that the the tone from college football coaches at this point seems to be apparent that they're planning and preparing and definitely lobbying for football to be played this fall. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, I don't think there's a soul out there who, who is wishing there not to be a season in the normal, at least some normalcy. I mean, I know I was watching uh, Dr. Fauci was kind of the spokesperson for this virus, it seems. And he was saying, you know, there's a possibility we could get fans later this summer by kind of having not necessarily a full capacity crowd. You sit a couple of seats away from people, but that, like you said, you can't have tailgating. You got to keep it really strict. So there's going to be a lot of things that um, will play into it. And if they could figure out a way to do it safely and maybe do do the two seats away from one another and not have a full capacity crowd, limit tailgating, I, I think it really could work. I don't know. That's, uh, I just, again, I'm done kind of nitpicking through it. There's no right answer. And it's so hard because it's so easy to poke holes yeah. through any plan. But at the same time, it's like, then what do you do? Sit back and do nothing. So I'm all ears for any suggestions, ideas, strategies to get football played on time. And I hope that they do that. Um, let's take a little sponsor break. And I was thinking too, Aaron, on, you know, as we do these Cats by 90 podcasts quite a bit that um, I don't really know who our sponsors are. Don't really know <laughs> if it's the same one each time. So I might do a little legwork on that because I'm sure they're fine people at whatever they do and wherever they do it. And we appreciate you listening. So that being said, let's take um, let's hear from them. All right, and we're back. Cats by ninety podcast. Drew Brown, Aaron Gershon, and now time to talk some basketball. So the roster is starting to. I guess I'm going to maybe phrase that a little different. Every time you think the roster is going to kind of take form, it, it doesn't appear to do so, and things just keep changing. So now the most evident thing, Aaron, is the transfer rule, with this being you know, potentially just a game changer for Kentucky basketball and beyond. 
just for the ability to add players and finish out a roster and, you know, the potential just to add star-studded players. So, obviously, Kentucky misses Matt Harms, whatever, and now this comes into play, Aaron. So where do you stand with how this roster is going to finish out, and particularly how do you think that the rule change is going to play a factor in that? Yeah, I think that they need – I don't know how it's going to play out, but I, I if I had to guess, uh, they're going to get a big man, whether it's an incoming freshman where – the other rule is the reclassify rule that came out. I think it's finalized. You could correct me if I'm wrong, but I think due to this COVID stuff, they're letting 20. And I, I, in my opinion, it's a counter move to this G League crap that we'll have to touch on too. But I, what I, I made of it is that the ACT is not necessarily going to be required for kids trying to reclassify from 2021 into 2020. So that's obviously opened a lot of floodgates of possible the Pablo Bencharos and Jonathan Kumar, uh, these names are awful, Kumagas of the world. So it's, uh, it, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity for UK to get the big they need. Uh, Matt Harms, I talked pretty highly of his game. Uh, I liked his offensive game, and I, I did more research on it when I thought, when I put the report out that I thought they were going to get him. Uh, and, you know, four and a half rebounds when you're 7-3, and it just doesn't – I watch a lot. He's just not a great rebounder. And I think that it's almost – it could be a blessing in disguise they don't get this kid because if you look at the production, Nick Richards on the glass, I mean, nearly averaged a double-double with points and rebounds. So you would still be losing about four to five rebounds next year when you could possibly find a different big either transfer or an incoming kid that could possibly provide more. But – uh, I think the transfer market would land them somebody who would help more next year. Uh, if the Wake Forest floodgates start to open with the coach fired, um, I forget the kid's name, but they have a seven foot center who had a tremendous season last year and put some of his best numbers up against Duke and North Carolina and some of the elite programs in that conference. So, uh, yeah, it's all really interesting, but I, I know Calipari needs another big next year. He knows it. Everybody knows it. And I'd be shocked if he doesn't get someone in some type of form. Yeah, I think now you can kind of lay your head on your pillow and relax on the fact that Kentucky's going to get a big. Cal's going to – might not be the top one he wanted six months ago, obviously, but it's going to be somebody they're going to fill the roster out. And I wanted Matt Harms, there's no doubt about it. I'm not going to sit there and say I didn't, but it, it wasn't so much for on-the-court stuff. And I said that I, I just wanted to cover a player and see a player at Kentucky that was different and brought something – a unique element and was just kind of fun and added a unique as- aspect to the game. I continually have said that I think they need toughness. They just need a bruiser. I don't care if he's 6'6". Six, yeah. six, I don't care if he's 6'10". Somebody that's just going to go out there and battle every night because history would say, and we know that these young guys probably just aren't going to have it some nights. Maybe early in the year, they're just getting punched in the chin. It's going to take them a while to pick that up. So I'm cool with whoever's just willing to basically stick their nose in there be a force, and if nothing else, give you something every night from just an effort and toughness standpoint. So it'll be interesting. I know now kind of the name that, that's hot and heavy is this Frank, Frank Anselm, I think is how you say it, um, a four-star. I was reading up on him, and Aaron, I watched a few videos initially when his name popped up like late last week, maybe it was, and I thought he seemed kind of a little bit slow, but, but very skilled. He's huge. He's like, I think, a seven-footer. But now the more I read and I've read through some scouting reports and just like how, you know, some of the big services rank him and they actually list him like over and over as athletic, very athletic and with professional potential. So 
Sounds like Kentucky's pretty hot and heavy on him right now. I know they reached out via Zoom this week, so that could be your guy right there. Yeah, I, I've been saying I think he's the most logical uh, answer because there's no hurdles, right? I mean, he's already a 2020 kid. He's not a transfer. He's not ineligible. So I think he's the safest option. You look at the, you know, people love to look at the stars and all that, and that's great. Mo- your, most five stars do pan out. but you know, it doesn't always have to be the top-ranked guy. And this kid, like you said, I've been reading up on him as well, all positive. Apparently, he's a really, really good kid. He might be a project. That's what I've also heard is. And I think either his coach or guardian said he's probably a two- to three-year college guy, not a four-year college guy. But if you look at the way uh, UK has gone with centers the last, I don't know, five years, Willie Colley Stein was a three-year guy. Nick Richards a three-year guy. Uh, even at the power forward position, EJ Montgomery probably should have been a three-year guy. Still was a two. Uh, PJ Washington two-year guy. So you know, if he could come in and put similar numbers to what PJ did as a freshman, which I think was about eight and six, uh, I think that that would be tremendous. Given that I think Isaiah Jackson, while he's not a big like a center, he's definitely a power forward, and I think he's a guy who's getting overlooked on next year's roster. I think he's going to be a really, really good player who produces right away. I don't know about a one-and-done, but a guy who produces right away a steady amount. So, And Keon Brooks, obviously, with experience at the four now, should be a force as well. So I think he could be the answer, and it could be worth the project because looking into the 2021 and 22 and beyond, Centers, for whatever reason, these five-star centers or these high-profile transfer bigs uh, aren't picking UK. And maybe he's a guy that could be around here for more than one year and kind of that need wouldn't be uh, – it wouldn't be a big deal if they missed those guys in the, in the future. All right, major developments right now in the Cats by 90 podcast here. So I'm looking right? up some stuff on Frank Anselm and our boy Jack Pilgrim from uh, Kentucky Sports Radio, Sources Say Podcast. Quick plug on that. I talked to Travis today from the Source yep. of Say and Cat Scan podcast. He was going to get on today. He had to work a little bit. He should be on next week, so we'll be able to ask him a lot of these questions um, and maybe see how the, the roster's finalizing up because he's our source, those guys over at the Source of Say. But, Aaron, did you know this? This is the breaking news kind of stuff. Did you know that there was a recruiting analyst named Josh Gershon? Because I did not yeah, know that. I did. So he's quoted in Jack's article about Frank Anselm saying that he's an athletic sender athletic center with an outstanding frame good size wide shoulders and very long arms strong kid but not maxed out still raw on offense but physical tools give him a very high upside has budding elbow jump shot and hook shot but footwork and post moves can improve has chance to be a high level rebounder and rim protector given his size length and athleticism still inconsistent but upside is very high projects as a high major starter with professional upside dependent on development of skill so that kind of sounded like a Kentucky commercial at the end. But, yeah, maybe a little bit of a project. But the overall theme that I keep getting from him, Aaron, is he has a chance, I think, to be more immediately very impactful in defense and what you were just harping on, rebounding. Yeah, I do too. And I think it it's okay to be a project. It doesn't always have to be the five-star guy. And I think the size and just the presence would be huge for next year's roster. Everything about college basketball right now just feels like it's hitting all at once. COVID-19, the G League stuff, which is what I wanted to talk about next. It's just crazy, man, like to think. So now today, too, I just opened my phone a little while ago. So Dacian Nix, 
who was forever considered to be a Kentucky lean, thought it was going to kind of be our point guard for this class in 2020, ultimately for some reason decides to go play for Mick Cronin. UCLA, I guess I get getting out there. But he's now decommitted from there and decided to go the G League route. So I was surprised Greg Brown didn't do it on Saturday, honestly. He will. It's getting crazy. Yeah, exactly. And he still has it. Lots of players still have the chance to do this. So it's really getting crazy, Aaron. And and that offer is seeming pretty sweet. So who knows how this is going to impact Kentucky long term and short term. But hopefully, at minimum, you know, that our top tier guys, and it's very thankful, I guess, that Terrence Clark did shoot down any rumors of that just a week or so ago because. This thing is really catching wings fast. Yeah, it really is catching wings fast. And, you know, I I don't know if I said it on here or on Big Blue Insider, but uh, money talks, man. And these are 18, sometimes 17-year-old kids. And they see six figures. They see five figures. They're going to go for it. And how do you blame them? So uh, this is a real concern for the NCAA, which, again, has screwed up because they don't have a good – counter offer or counter claim this is why you should be in college so <laughs> it I, I hate to see these kids um ripping their national their letters of intent like uh the michigan kid isaiah todd did don't know if nicks was signed with ucla i saw the word committed which makes me think he hadn't put pen to paper yet but it, it's disappointing for college basketball to be losing guys who should be in college and should be a lot of fun to watch but and yeah, Greg Brown. I've heard from everyone. I've heard is why even commit to Texas on Friday? What's the point? Just tell everyone what you're doing. So, um, just disappointing. It's interesting, and it's just it sucks, man. To be honest, to me, I know a lot of people keep that was a big thing last week that I was kind of getting into is that what's that? Oh, that so now the top five players aren't going to come to college. Who cares? It used to be that way. Everything's going to kind of work out. But now with the one and done kind of staying the same way and then making this thing right. so appealing. It's just different. And when you throw COVID-19 in the mix, it's like if you're telling a kid right now, like, hey, no matter what happens, you're guaranteed to get this many hundreds of thousands of dollars, that's tough to walk away from. And and if it does start panning out and these kids have a good experience, they get drafted high, they learn to be a professional, and they make some money, I mean, it's, it's going to be lots of people are going to be doing it, and we're already kind of seeing that happen. So I don't know. I hate to say I wish kids poorly, but I always sat on, and I know I'm sometimes a minority in this. I want every top kid to come to college. I want to see them play, even if it's for a year. I don't care. Just to kind of have that always cemented in them. And, you know, what did they do in the tournament and all that? Because it, it's special. It's a part of basketball, but I might have to get used to it being the other way. And a lot of these kids might definitely be leaving these prep schools, especially and in, in opting the G League route. And that's why I think they're just the one and done rules got to go. I think that these kids should just be able to go straight into the league. We don't need a G league. We don't need them going uh, overseas. We just, if they really think they're NBA ready, go, go to the league, see if it works out. And for the kids who are not, have them come to college for a couple of years and develop, have the kids who want to be in college and fight for national championships and play in March, come to college. And for the ones who don't let them go. Agreed. I know it'll, it'll be interesting to see, but now it seems like that that rule is going to be here for a while, just the way that things are trending and everything that you hear from the, the Players Association votes and all that stuff. It looks like that rule could could stay for more years than most people anticipated, I guess. But yeah. that seems like it's uh, just – that's what I was getting at. It's so hard. I keep stumbling over my words and stuff because it's just all so up in the air. It's also fluid. Like every aspect of sports in general, but specifically basketball – with the stages and just 
kind of how transitions are going to work going forward. We'll yeah. have to see how it all plays out. But ultimately, Kentucky's trying to finish out this roster. Um, again, hopefully maybe next week we'll get Travis on from Rivals and, and Sources Say. If you haven't listened to the Kentucky Dad podcast, do that. We had our guy Bradley McKee on. That's, that's still a lot of fun. I think people will enjoy those. And uh, we'll cut this one a little short end so we can enjoy some of this nice day. And I look forward to catching up with you next week. And maybe uh, Kentucky will have their big by the next time we talk. Who knows? Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow Cats by 90 on Twitter at Cats by 90. You can also follow Aaron and Drew at agershon99 and at BigBlueDrew33. And remember, no matter the opponent, it's always Cats by 90.